Yeah, let's welcome along our vet, Dr. David Tabret, talking about at the beach today, aren't we? Uh, absolutely. We should be at the beach. Can we do an outside broadcast? No. Okay. Especially not but near if the we, sand. If we, okay. if we can't be there, but we are going to talk about hazards at the beach for your dog. That's a good one. And mm. finding out the social aspect of taking your dog to the beach too. I think that's an interesting area. Well, that's another hazard, isn't it? We'll Didn't, talk about actually, that. Actually, I hadn't thought about that's that. That's enough from you now. Dave. Thank you. I'll turn you off. And we're looking at what we need to consider when we're buying a puppy. And a lot of people do around Christmas time. They like to get a pet puppy. Absolutely. But there is so much we've got to consider. So if you do want to get a puppy or a dog, you've got to consider, are you ready? You need to do your research. So important. As a dog isn't a short-term or a temporary thing. You need commitment because you're offering a forever home. As you said, Dave, with Christmas and the holidays only a few weeks away, lots of people start thinking about getting that puppy or a dog. And if you're on holidays, it's a great time to be able to settle that dog into your family. Firstly, just remember, never buy a puppy without the receiver's knowledge and consent because often people do buy a dog as a gift and uh, Mm. the lack of thought and preparation, it just is a disaster and really a sad outcome for the puppy. The right dog needs careful consideration and selecting. Who's the dog for? Is it just for you and, you know, it's going to be you and the dog or is it for the family, for the children to grow up with? Or maybe it's empty nesters looking for that companion. Whatever the situation is in your family, you need to look at what breed is going to suit your lifestyle. What's the criteria you have? Think about, do you want a male or a female dog? This is really important. You need to select the right dog. What about the size? Small, medium, large? What is it that you want? You might want a puppy or maybe even a rescue dog's for you. Is it for the children? Because if it is, you're going to need a dog that's calm and not going to be jumping all over them. Or maybe you're after an energetic dog to go running with. You do, Or maybe you just want a little dog that's going to lay on your lap and snuggle. Be that little companion that you're looking for. There are also the types of breeds to consider. What do you want? A purebred dog, a crossbreed or maybe even a designer puppy. It's just up to you. You'd need to think about what type of coat, whether it's short or long hair, it's easy maintenance, non-shedding and then there's the appearance and colour. But you really need to go into this and look at the breed that's going to suit you. Obviously they come in all shapes and sizes so if you don't want a big dog make sure that you don't buy something that is going to grow from a puppy into something large. There's other factors that will influence the breeds that you, um, where you live. So those choices could be if you're living in a unit or an apartment you're going to make sure that you have a dog that suits that environment. And also the average suburban block you need to make sure that the um, yard is secure. Or if you're on an acreage you obviously can be buy a bigger dog and have a dog that's um, able to run around and enjoy its life. Also, if you're renting, you need to make sure that your landlord is aware that you're wanting to get a dog. There's other Mm. considerations to come into it as well. Is your dog going to be inside or outside? Again, if it is outside, you need to puppy-proof that yard and make sure that your dog is um, in a fenced area. You'll need to consider your age and your lifestyle if you're active or sedentary and just how much time you spend at work and at home or even away doing sporting activities your lifestyle will determine the characteristics and traits needed to have in a dog so that um, this is going to influence your choice the big question is do you have time to settle in and train a new dog you need to be committed just because you love puppies doesn't mean you'll have time for it so Don't make a hasty or emotional decision. Take time to objectively consider what dog breed would suit and look for a clean, healthy pup with bright eyes, 
not listless and with no diarrhoea and make sure the puppy has started its immunisation program and is microchipped. Do lots of training, give lots of love and you'll be rewarded unconditionally. Great mm. points. Another important point, they won't stay little, they get bigger. Very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, particularly so, if you've got kids, oh. I find is they... They get dogs and they don't re- realise all they so forget. Cute. Yeah. So cute. Hang yeah. on. Dogs, it's baby, it's going to grow up. Dogs grow a lot quicker than what the kids do. Yeah. Um, Cheryl, do you think there's an age at which with kids, for instance, that uh, they're just too young to have dogs around? Or is that going to be dependent on, say, the, the breed of dog and things like that? Uh, I I believe that the breed of dog has a big influence. Like a cavalier with a small child isn't so bad. But if you've got a big Labrador that's jumping all over the Mm, children... Boisterous. Yeah, Mm. this is a real problem. And then you have the child that's crying or screaming because they get frightened when the dog jumps, and it really becomes an issue in the family. And then that enjoyment is taken away from it, and sometimes, unfortunately, the dog is then rehomed. So choice or, you know, making sure that breed is suited to your family. Like you said, they do grow so quickly. Children under the age of nine really can't can't manage without good parental supervision mm. with a puppy. I usually advise people around about the age of seven. A lot of people come in and they say their kids are growing up, they want a dog, what age do I think they should be? Mm. And um, obviously if you've had, if you've got dogs and you have kids, that's a different scenario. But it, probably from the age of seven is when kids really start to want to participate in caring for the dog and it's a good opportunity to teach responsible pet ownership behaviours, feeding and cleaning and looking after the pet. So there's a whole, gee, there's a lot of questions in there that you've raised, but very important that people answer those, consider them all, because otherwise, as you said, we do see the problem with pets often get abandoned after the Christmas holiday break. Yes, Mm. it's really sad. And, you know, it it does take a lot of um, thought as to what's going to suit your family, and people need to write these down and tick off their list and make sure that they get the selection correct. And uh, just finally, do you think um, we've always heard that saying about pets that look like their owners? Do you think the uh, do the uh, pets make the owners look better, or does the owner look make the pet look better? <laughs> I can think of a few examples, um, but uh, I wonder whether the owners look like that before they got the pet. Well, I've got four standard poodles, and I'm just sort of feeling my nose at the moment. Hmm, what about you? Well, we'll leave it at left unsaid. I think. <laughs> I, I think have... we should take some calls We love your calls If you'd like to call Pet Chat 49216216 Merv's been waiting patiently at Brankston Hello Merv How are you Merv? Yeah. G'day Merv How can we help? Yeah We've had a, a variety of pets We are animal lovers Yep And we have um, Decided to Rear up Long Miniature rabbits all right. Yep. And, and we we had bought one, and we thought we'd buy another one just to uh, keep him companion. And they respond to their name. You don't need. And we keep them out in the sunroom, and they're so they get they go to their special corner. We've got like yep. old cows. Sort of put down to go and do their weave, and they do their business there, and you know, which is so fantastic. And yeah, because you're on video. I can't believe, like, I've had pet dogs, yeah. and I can't believe the response that we get out of our two little rabbits. Are. Yeah, yeah, well, as, as you say, they're, they're pretty clever little things, and I think that really comes back to how you interact with them. And, and you know, a lot of people find that if you, you know, spend the time with them. Um, yeah, yeah you, you're going to yeah. see that response. Every every animal is trainable. 
well, yeah, that's cool. probably a bit too broad, but um, I think you, you've found that uh, once you set them up and you've got the, the household set up for them, they're responding really well. So um, they're great pets, as you say. Obviously, the thing we really worry about with rabbits, particularly around this time of the year, and unfortunately we're seeing more and more, is things like the myxomatosis virus and the Khaleesi virus. And, um, you know, we, we don't have a vaccine against myxomatosis, um, the Khaleesi virus we do, and you still have to keep them mosquito-proof uh, so that they don't pick up diseases like that. And make sure also diet's very important. They need a, a good fibre source in their diet, and um, there's some really good resources. The one I like is rabbit.org. There's hundreds of pages on there. It's very good quality on the website, rabbit.org, and that, that'll give you all the information. But it sounds like you're on the right track, so good job. Thanks, mate. Some good direction there, too. Thank you for that. And waiting for us at Carrington. Hello, Steve. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, uh, I just got a question. I've got a, um, uh, a nine-month-old a female uh, that's um, scoffed out a, um, uh, a toilet wipe thing that was at the park and um, consequently passed that after about two or three days. But since then, it's got a, um, uh, looks, appears to have a urinary tract infection. And uh, I've tried some, um, initially tried some urine um, uh, acidizer, but um, only three days into that. I'm just sort of wondering what I should do if it's, uh, if it's more than something that could be. Um, can be treated with um, uh, with the acid, or if it needs, you know, what I need to do, please. Yeah. So, is your dog desexed? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The reason I ask that is very. It's not uncommon to see in this age group. Um, female dogs are much more prone to urinary tract infections. Now, what is it that makes you think that she does have an infection? What behaviours is she showing? Um, she's uh, squatting a lot, and she's got orange urine. Okay. It, there may be a number of things going on, but certainly an infection would be a, a distinct possibility. Now, the interesting thing is that some of those problems we do manage with um, acidifying the urine, but that's not always the case. Uh, and it's a problem which really does need to see a vet because there is a possibility of things like um, that would produce similar symptoms would be, uh, even in that age group, could be a tumour. Um, it's unlikely, but we just want to make sure. Um, I have seen bladder stones in that age group and that can arise either because of a chronic infection or can then produce an infection, but either way it'll produce the same sort of symptoms. And obviously if there is a urinary tract infection then we can look at the urine, um, determine what the most likely cause is. It may require a culture and a course of antibiotics. Sometimes, as I said, we do add in supplements to change the uh, pH, uh, the acid base level of the urine, but that's it's not always consistent. Um, I think years ago it used to be a bit more the fact that acidifying the urine was, um, you know, more uh, reliable. Um, and the change, why is that change? Well, probably because of dietary changes over the years, and probably a number of those dogs actually were given treatment with, say, acidifying tablets, they got better and people said, oh, it's the acidifying tablet that fixed it. But in actual fact, the dog may have self-corrected as well. So either way, um, I'd still suggest a visit to the vet because we don't want this problem to go further up into the kidneys and cause what we call a pyelonephritis. That's when it, we're really worried. And chronic infection at this age, um, there is a couple of other causes as well. There's things like ectopic ureters, which is a 
um, an anatomical malformation and there's also another problem they can get called a um, uracal diverticulum which is at the front of the bladder there's a little pocket where they can get a recurrent infection sitting in there and that was, that's actually a problem that requires surgery. Um, so probably best to get all those ruled out and look it may be that diet and antibiotics and um, you know maybe some supplements is what's needed but I'd sure. get, get it checked out first yep. Okay um, just quickly then because we're off to the vet this, this afternoon anyway yep. um, do, do I take a sample of urine with me and the other question was uh, it's it's uh, it's basically coincides with the um, uh, ingesting the um, uh, the putrid um, white you know so is there any of that sort of um, no. first off no, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be related. The only exception to that is that in female dogs that do get urinary tract infections, when we culture bacteria, then we often find that it's a bug like, say, an E. coli, which is coming from the, the lower bowel, but it's, that's just because they're both in the same area, but it's not really related to the um, ingestion of the wipe, which I'm glad has passed through. Um, on the first part about taking a urine sample, look, you can, but... They might rely on that, but very often, um, particularly if we're worried about infection, we need to collect a sterile sample, and a sample that you've followed the dog around and collected isn't sterile. So oftentimes we will have a look at that, but we might have to collect another sample at the time. So it's a good thing that you're going in to get that checked out, and they're good questions that you've asked. Yeah, great to see yeah. you're off to the vet this afternoon. Good luck with that, and you can call us anytime here on Pet Chat. We'd love to have your input. We're going back to calls right now, 49216216. Heath is with us from Swansea. Good afternoon, Heath. Yeah, mate, how are you? G'day, Heath. How can I, we help? I've got a, got a couple of quick questions. I've got a young Kelpie, mate. He's only eight months old, and he just doesn't seem to drink any water in this heat. Is that normal? Or I've always had him... In, but Kelpie's on my wife, but may always drink, but he just doesn't seem to drink. Well, um, most dogs usually, they'll regulate their water intake pretty well, and um, they get moisture through the food as well, and um, obviously dogs uh, tend to drink plenty of fresh water, obviously, so I'd make sure there's multiple water sources. Um, yeah. the, the easiest way to check is really to look at, um, get a urine sample, as we were just talking about Steve, but it's more to get a urine sample and just check, um, you can get the vet to check this if your dog's dehydrated. So um, right. unless the kidneys are really misbehaving, but in most cases if the kidneys aren't working well, then the dog will actually drink more. Not yeah, right, because right. he doesn't less. seem to eat that much food either. And he's a solid. He's a solid kelpie for like a, for a kelpie. Well, you can you can assess either by body weight or even looking at his body shape. And um, what we like to see is if you're standing over their back, there's kind of a waist just in front of their hips, so they tuck in uh -huh. a little bit. And looking from the side, from the belly button, it should curve up towards the back legs, not straight across. And at eight months of age, you you really wouldn't expect them to be that overweight, although. I think my dog was a bit overweight at eight months of age. But <laughs> you, you, if you look at their body shape, that'll give you an indication. And, and really, they're going to self-regulate the amount of food. Um, water, yeah, I, I'd be surprised. It's not a lot of conditions where they tend to not drink. It's really more if they drink more. But it's an easy thing to check, just a urine sample at the vets when you go in. They'll check the concentration. And if, you know, it should be within a certain range, and that'll say that everything's all right. Hello, Lynn. Are you there with us today, Lynn? Oh, yes, sweetheart. From Cameron Park, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. 
fine, thank you. I would just like to say to parents that wanted to buy an animal, maybe for a Christmas present, to go to the animal rescue shelter. I know that some of these animals do have problems, but I think to take a child there and say, well, look, you know, we're going to do something good for this puppy or this dog that could maybe not have a good life, I think it teaches children some love and caring um, mm. with pets rather than buy a cute puppy and when it doesn't do what it's supposed to do at three months, I think, oh, no, I don't want to do that anymore. But mm. I just would like to say to parents, maybe take your kitty and let him or her pick someone that... You need to know the history, I realise that. Yep. But I have got three Persian cats which are enclosed in, and I'm now looking for a rescue dog, but it has to know that it needs to know about cats. Yeah. I think the yeah, thing is there, Lynn, that you need to make sure that you really do have your criteria of what the family's all about. And like you said, you do have some cats, but you need to make sure that the, the pet that you're going to be rescuing is suitable. Um, so you need to make that checklist off. And, and each week we talk about um, the Rescue Pet of the Week. We do. Let's um, do so that right now because we've got a great-looking yep. little dog there. Actually, this might be the one for you. <laughs> this is a beautiful dog. It's, um, it's a lovely female, six-year-old Mastiff Cross, and she's got a lot of love to give. Lucky is her name, and she adores human contact, and she's always after a pat and a cuddle and a nice belly rub. Despite her size, she's extremely calm and gentle nature dog and is wonderful around children. So there you go, Lynn. This could be it. Um, she is strong, but she's always, um, always well-behaved. Lucky loves every person she meets, and she can get anxious around boisterous dogs. She's happy around chickens and ducks, so maybe she's going to be happy around your cats. Lucky is toilet trained. She knows basic commands. She travels well in a car, and she only barks if there's someone at the door. She enjoys daily walks and the occasional bone. She's um, very gentle, so if you're after a gentle, cuddly soul to be your best friend, look no further. Lucky is the girl for you. For more information, you can contact her foster carer, Maggie, on 0419 or to view her profile, you can go to www.dogrescuenewcastle.com.au. Fees do apply, or you can go and have a look on Pet Chat's website. Hopefully not fleas. Hopefully not, please. Just the fees. <laughs> Just the fees. Yes, I had trouble there. I think I caught that from Dave earlier. Yep, thank you. Trevor is with us from Warners Bay. How are you doing there today, Trevor? Uh, good, thank you. How can we help, Trev? Okay, I've got a, a 12-year-old golden retriever. Um, he thinks he's a horse at the moment. He keeps <laughs> wanting to eat grass, and then he gets enough, and then he'll throw up the next day sort of thing. Yeah. Yep, is that, um, well, he's doing it more than what he, I know he used to do it before, but he seems to be doing it more so now. Um, I've got a dog who grazes quite mm -hmm. a bit. Um, she's, uh, she looks like a pig. She eats like a cow and we <laughs> call her a, um, dugong because she okay. just goes onto a, you know, a whole field of grass and just starts. It's interesting because, you know, the old sort of thought was that, oh, well, the dog's got an upset tummy and they're going to make themselves vomit, etc. But not all dogs do that. And um, some dogs are quite happy to eat grass whether they're feeling fine or, you know, if you perceive that they have an upset tummy, but they'll do it at other times as well. So I, I don't know that there's a, a strict rule. I do know that some dogs will do it because it just maybe it gives them a bit more fibre in the gut. Maybe they just like the texture. 
Um, some dogs do it and they will vomit, but it's not a hard and fast rule. And okay. um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Just make sure that the area that they're maybe um, on is not, say, um, an outflow from a septic tank or that it hasn't had any insect, um, you know, herbicides applied to it recently. Um, okay. Just to make sure they're not ingesting anything that could be dangerous. But other than that, no, it's um, just up to d- the individual dog, I think. Okay. Well, yeah. well, thank you. No worries. Okay, bye. See ya. All right. Now, before we move on to your topic today, David, uh, I want to just reflect on Cheryl's for a moment, get your thoughts on this. Buying a puppy, getting that all organized, should we look at pet insurance at the same period of time? Well, uh, Cheryl's covered off so many questions, including that selection criteria, and importantly, uh, mentioning about the immunization, vaccination. We also know about worming. Diet is such an important thing. Puppy preschool is an important thing if you are taking a puppy. And uh, pet insurance is a really valuable thing to look into. It's going to suit a lot of people um, to help them out over time. And uh, there's a number of products on the market. So, you know, you need to do a bit of research, talk to people, find out what you think might work best. Um, But again, it's all about having a plan. And I think that's what fits Hopefully it gives you a bit of peace of mind too. Yeah. But if something happens down the track with your your pet, you can go to the vet and you're covered hopefully. Down the track, it just takes away some of that concern about financial burden for you. Um, So look into that. And most people, you know, if you go to the vets, they'll be able to give you some advice one way or the other or at least put you in, you know, head you in the right direction for more information. Now, your topic today is a beauty. We're looking at uh, taking the dog to the beach, something that Cheryl loves. She's there all the time down at Horseshoe Beach. She loves going to the beach with a dog. So social, aren't you? Your animals are very social. Very social. (laughs) So it's a really interesting topic because obviously it fits in with the current uh, weather. It's pretty hot and a lot of people are going to head to the beach. And, you know, I've seen a lot of pets come through our emergency service where we talk about, um, you know, the dogs might present either paralysed or tremoring and the question is you know what might they have got into and everybody says oh someone poisoned them and then we find out well actually they're at the beach they ran down the beach they ruffled in some seaweed they were chewing on something and then spat it out and ran away could be a puffer fish a dead puffer fish okay and they actually contain a toxin um, which uh, can produce paralysis and so um, it's the same toxin that's in um, fugu, the Japanese pufferfish delicacy, which people eat just for the thrill of feeling partially paralysed. Um, but it can actually put dogs into a state of respiratory paralysis where they need a, to be on a ventilator. I've actually had a patient that did that. The other interesting one, though, is sometimes we'll see the dog has done the exact same thing, run down the beach, been in the water, in the seaweed and stuff, and then they present tremoring. And it turns out that there's um, a species of mollusk called um, sea hares, okay? And they're quite an amazing group of uh, animals. And uh, these um, contain um, toxins that can produce tremor conditions. So we see dogs might go to the beach and they come back and they've, you know, been chewing on something at the beach. Well, they could end up with paralysis from the puffer fish or it could be tremors from the sea hairs and uh, we've I, a couple of years ago I did some research into this and looked at through New South Wales um, uh, might have been marine fisheries or something New South Wales government website and it turns out there are large colonies of sea hairs off the coast around Newcastle so it's not a um, uncommon or an unlikely thing I should say it, it probably is uncommon but it's not an unlikely thing that we might see, and I'm sure I've seen quite a few of these. And the other thing is, if your dog goes to the beach, if they people say, oh, if he drinks salt water, is that a problem? 
Look, salt water can be a problem. Uh, generally, the first thing it'll do is it'll produce gastric irritation, so they might vomit. And when they vomit, you might say, well, he's just vomited back the water that he drank, but actually they start to lose salt. They start to lose acid out of their system, and they actually lose more water than they take in. So it can be a problem. It can cause diarrhea uh, as it irritates the gut. And ultimately, though, if, if there is a large volume, we can get high salt levels into the blood. It can actually cause problems with the brain. So you want to make sure if you do take your pet to the beach that they're not ingesting large amounts of salt water or really any amounts of salt water. I think that's probably a safe way to go. Um, and uh, we've got some couple of great beaches, but, uh, you know, if your dog's in at Horseshoe Beach, it's a smaller area, there's going to be the risk of interaction with other dogs. You need to make sure that your dog is under control at all times. So you don't want them to come away with a dog. Oh, I took him to the beach and he got bitten what, by yeah, a shark. Yeah, no, yeah. by another dog. That's much more likely. Um, Let, let's take a look at that behaviour for a moment. Uh, that social behaviour, there must be so much excitement there with the dogs when they get onto the beach. Is that right, do you think, Cheryl? I think a lot of dogs take on ownership of the beach because they go mm. so regularly, so they think it's their pad. Mm. Mm. It's interesting because, um, you know, if you find the other beach we can go to is down south of Redhead and um, take the dogs down there. And a lot of dogs just find perhaps with that extra space that they can interact a bit easier. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot more room for them. But... Um, yeah, I think you do need to look at how dogs interact. And if they are a regular visitor, they might have a sense of ownership of that space. Yeah, um, a lot so more I'm, room at Redhead. They can run a little bit more freely and not sort of so in mm. each other's face. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, some great tips there. What about this weekend, Hillsborough? Have we got a dog show on? No dog show this weekend, oh, Dave. No dog show? No. Okay, it's too hot, Dave. Off week, off week, yeah. Yeah, we'll wait till <laughs> next week. Yep. Okay, now uh, any last moment thoughts you'd like to leave with us on that topic today before we move on? And we... the, the other thing, um, just uh, and it's really uh, in terms of frequency, I'd have to say in 12 years of um, working as an emergency vet in Newcastle and probably 27 or 8 years as a vet in Newcastle, um, I've never seen it, but it is possible to get stonefish um, poisoning and blue ring octopus mm. as well. So in ta talking about going to the beach, Look, they're pretty jellyfish, rare. Jellyfish, jellyfish? Yeah, yeah, we don't see too many problems with those. I think mainly because, see, with a jellyfish, they actually, the way that it works is that it injects what's called a, a nematocyst, which mm. is like a little dart, and it's the poisons inside that. But because of the dog's coat, it's harder for the um, nematocyst to get access to the skin. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you for today. No worries. Thanks, We're out Dave. of time. That is Pet Chat. That's our vet, Dr. David Tabret. Cheryl Shaw, thank you so much. Thank you. It is back with you next Wednesday. We do it between midday and one here at 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.